There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 96. My guest today is going to be John Caponera. John Caponera has been doing comedy since 1979. He's had a sitcom called The Good Life with Drew Carey as his co-star. He's been on Comedy Central, NBC, HBO, ESPN, The Tonight Show. He's got four CDs out. Um, he's an author, also an author. He's got his own... He wrote a book called uh, A Life in Comedy... But John Caponeri is also a husband and a father. And uh, worked with him in uh, Las Vegas Laugh Factory. Gosh, it's probably been about 10 years ago. I featured for him, and uh, we had some great conversations in the cafeteria after the shows and uh, during the day sometimes. And really good dude, and I'm um, glad to have him on here. So we're going to give him a call. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Hope you're all doing well during... All this bullshit. Let's try to forget about it for a little while. I'm going to call John and maybe we'll, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it a little bit. We'll try not to talk about it too much because God knows that's all anybody gets to uh, hear anymore is shit about the pandemic. So obviously we'll touch on it a little bit because it's affecting everyone's life, but we won't dwell on it. So let's do it. Let's call John. John Caponera. Hey, Tim. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm hanging in there. Just trying to weather the storm like everybody else. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you have a pretty good uh, schedule that you had to... No, not really. I, uh, I've been off work since mid-January, actually, because I quit doing the ships, and that was 70% of my dates and um i had i've done the ship so much i kind of lost not favor but i haven't done the clubs so i have to start all over to get back in them and uh you know they don't really <laughs> i'm 63 and their demographic is 20 to 45 so you know i i've got a you know i'm lucky i have some property in vegas and i rent and i you know, I have a roommate here that helps me, too, with my rent. And, but I'm just, uh, I had some gigs in June that just canceled yesterday, so. Really? Yeah, I had two nice weeks in June, and I'm hoping I can hang on to my July dates. And uh, Are we taping right now? Yeah, actually, I went ahead and did an introduction. Um, I, don't, I can cut out anything you don't want in here. No, no, I don't care. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> I'm an open book, brother. <laughs> I got nothing to hide anymore. Uh, man, we, uh, I was, in my introduction, I said that we, we worked together in, uh, 
in Vegas uh, featured for you, and we had some good conversations in the uh, that cafeteria that they that they uh, have, you know, downstairs either after the shows or before the shows, and uh, you made me laugh a lot. So I really wanted to get you on here. I'm sorry that it can't be in person, but uh, yeah, you're funny, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. <laughs> It was a, you know, it's a fun week when you have somebody to hang with, I tell you, at, at any gig. Yeah. If, if you can hang with the other person and get along, it sure does make the week go by faster, that's for sure. Yeah. What? what? Go ahead. That's a fun room to work, too. I think uh, it's just, it holds the, it holds the laughs because of the low ceiling, and um, I've had some great shows in that room. I, I, I actually like the room. Yeah, me too. Especially, uh, there are nights where it's, it's certainly there are nights where there it, it's not easy to do, do crowd work. But when there when you have a good crowd in there, um, I've had some of my best crowd work shows ever in that room because of the layout of it, and you just kind of feel like you're in your living room hosting a party or something. Yeah, you know, I've had some great shows with small crowds. You know, that second show on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, it's like. Uh, pretty bleak. So, I, you know, I would talk a lot to the people, and some of those were some of my fun, my some of my best shows because you know, like you said, it's a living room audience, and and um, they, they, they can be a lot of fun. You know, you don't have to have a big crowd to have a good show. I mean, that's for sure. I learned that when I first started out at Zany's back in. 79, 80, you know, the crowd, the club was just starting out. It was turning over from a strip club to a regular comedy club. And the guy didn't know what he was doing. He was just starting out. And we would get 10, 12 people maybe. He would make all the comics go sit up front. So when somebody walked in, it looked like there was people in the audience. And it was just <laughs> comics. <laughs> and then four people would come in and sit down and all the comics would walk to the back of the room and he'd go, get down, get back up there. You know, and it's, you know, <laughs> it was, it was bleak, you know, but it was before the comedy boom hit and he was just starting out. And I remember I was a bartender there too and I would go up and I'd open the show and I would host the show and it was, they'd be one waitress, you know, one girl and, I would take the order, just before I brought up the first act, I would take the order from, from the stage because it was such a small crowd. I go, what do you got there, Bud Light? What do you got, gin and tonic? Yeah, I remember you, you had a you had a pina colada. Then I'd go back and make it because uh, it was such a small crowd. I would just take the drink order right before I brought up the first act. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, I agree. I, 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 even now, I, I really enjoy small crowds sometimes. Sometimes bigger audiences, they almost seem like intimidated or something, you know, and it takes them a minute, but smaller crowds, you can just kind of make them, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I've always enjoyed them. Just kind of, it makes me totally relaxed, you know, there's, it's like, cause nobody expects. The pressure's off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no pressure and, and uh yeah i find myself the same way because if there's a big crowd i don't want to waste my time talking to people because you know i worked hard on my act and i and i want to deliver my material i don't want to waste half of it just talking to people but in a smaller setting 
and you know you're at your show of the week. You get tired of your act, and you want to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why did you uh, quit doing the ships? Well, I just got burnt out. I I was doing them for like eleven years, and um, I uh, I just. I got. I was starting to get depressed. I was getting depressed. The ships. I. I don't care. I. You know. Even in this. Even in this. The. Uh, this. 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 This pandemic. I, I'm dealing with it better at home. The fact that I can walk my dog and get out and 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 walk on land. I still like it better than being on the ships. <laughs> Because the, the ships, for some reason, being out at sea and being away and not having Wi-Fi all the time and feeling that feeling of disconnection and no, not knowing anyone on the ship, and even though there's a 3,000 people on there having a good time, you still feel like the loneliest person in the world. They put you in this little cell of a room that's smaller than a prison cell. There, it's unadorned. There's no porthole. There, you know, it's so freaking depressing. And then... You go upstairs to get out of the the room, and then you got these fat people from uh, you know Bumpuck, Ohio, coming up to you because they can't stand each other anymore, and they want to talk to you and pick your brain about being a comic, and that gets so old, and you just want to, you know, I'm looking at the water, thinking, and I see land ahead, and I'm thinking, you know, I think I can make it from here. <laughs> I, I jumped in. It just got too depressing for me. I would get this the night before I would leave to go to the airport. I would just feel this wave of depression come over me. I just started to get it was, and the fact that I got fired from um, Carnival for doing a bit that I did eleven years in a row and never got never they never reprimanded me or talked to me about it or anything. And they fired me over it because the. It was the sixth show of a of a carnival cruise when we're only supposed to do five. They asked us to do an extra show, so I put together. A, I you know I didn't want to repeat because it was going to be in the main room, not just the comedy club. It was in the main showroom. Yeah. And so I didn't want to repeat anything because I, I you know most people saw my stuff, so I put together a set. A set that you know. Uh, you know, I hadn't done, and um, I guess the main powers that be of Carnival were on the ship because it was a, a christening of a new ship. It's actually an old ship that they redone, and they wanted to give it a new name and a christening. So the head of Carnival and his wife and, you know, the president, and they were all on the ship because it was a christening of the ship. And they actually came to the show. It was a midnight show in the main showroom and um, I just went ahead and did my show and it it was the best show I had all week believe it or not yeah. I sold more CDs after this show but I did a bit called uh, Drink a Keg for Katie and it's about a guy getting drunk at a charity event because the, if you drink a beer another buff goes to Katie the girl in the wheelchair who, and uh you know, he keeps getting drunk and he keeps saying stuff like, Katie's gonna walk out of here before I do. <laughs> and we don't walk till Katie walks. We 
Haiti, you know, you know, he's, he keeps getting drunk because he wants to raise more money for Haiti. And, uh, you know, he's saying, and then after a while he's drunk and he's like, you know, Katie, you're not looking half bad. What do you, what do you say you and me, Katie? Come on, what do you say? You know, and then he's like, I didn't mean that, Katie. That didn't come out right. I just thought maybe you were lonely and I was lonely. I'm such a loser, Katie. And then he goes, I'll give you $1,000. Anyway, that's the end of the bit. And, Anyway, it's a very funny bit, but there was a woman in the front row in a wheelchair, and the the powers to be thought I was making fun of her, and oh I'm like, my God. they just totally misconstrued everything. They they told the president of the entertainment on the ship that I called her retarded. Oh my gosh! And they just totally turned everything topsy turvy, which was all bullshit. I mean. Even Kathleen Dunbar was on the ship. She saw the whole thing, and she could she could have vouched for me. But nobody wanted to go to bat for me because they didn't they didn't want to get fired. Yeah. It was the head of Carnival, you know. Yeah. And I didn't ask her to anyway. I just I said, "Don't worry about it, man." I said, "I'll deal with this." I go. I've been trying to get off these ships anyway. Maybe this was the universe's way of saying. Hey man, you've done enough of these. And another thing about that bothered me about the ships is that ninety five percent of the people that are at your show would never go to a comedy club right. if they were home. <clears throat> yeah. They're only there because they're stuck on this ship. Yeah. And they've seen everything else and they're at your show because there's nothing else to do. And, you know, um it it just it just got the fact that they're not paying to come and see you. That they could be actually walking by the room and go, "Oh, what's this?" and just wander in. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. It's like so. It's almost like a floating casino. Yeah, yeah. That, when when people, you ever notice when people don't pay to come see you, they're the worst crowds. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's like night and day. There's there's a club I do in Texas, and they have a, a free show on Thursday. And this club is awesome. All these clubs are awesome. Um, and the weekend shows are awesome. And th that Thursday show can be good, but it's a free one. And and they don't charge them at all. It's a, the same show, but they just don't charge on Thursdays. And, man, it's like night and day. It's like sometimes that show is just like pulling teeth, and then Friday night you're like, how is this the same room? But... It's just that mentality. People don't. People that don't pay, they're not as good of an audience. They never buy any merchandise. Um, no, it, they totally have no respect for anybody. They don't. You know, they didn't pay to get in, so they're. It's just funny how. You know, you get what you pay for. If, you, if you're, you're paying, it just seems like you. You have a little more decorum. You have more respect for the entertainer. You feel like he's a professional because you pay people see him. And uh, I, I know people that just wander in shows like at a fair or at a, on a ship or where they don't pay. And it's just uh, you, you're dealing with that kind of audience, and that, that's, that's what the ships are it's like. I could go back and work other cruise lines and stuff like that if I want. But I, I've just had my fill of those ships, and but the sad thing is that was seventy five percent of my income, and I, you know, I, I hoodwinked myself into, I, I pigeonholed myself into that, and it was my own mistake. But um, 
I have to reinvent myself right now and figure out what I'm going to do once this pandemic is over, you know? Yeah. Well, gosh, they're canceling stuff into June. Who knows how long this is going to last? Yeah, I thought that was safe, but it was the first week of June, and uh, I had one the following week, which is still pending. I don't know if they're going to cancel that one, but, man, it's a... stuff all right now i'm i'm actually fortunate that i i've got savings and that you know i have a little rental income but i feel for the comic who's living check to check and gig to gig and uh doesn't have anything and uh you know you know this is funny i was just telling somebody the other day that the entertainment industry this is the first time this is unprecedented because usually entertainment has always made a buck, even yeah. during the Depression, during economic woes, during, you know, recessions and depressions. Entertainment's always flourished because people, no matter how depressed they are, they want to be entertained. Yeah. They want to escape. They want to go out. They want to laugh. They want to go to movies. They want to find escape. And now that they can't get that and all the entertainers aren't working because, you know, you can't gather, it's... It's kind of unprecedented, and it's really affecting a lot of entertainers, and they're all trying to reinvent themselves on the fly. And, uh, you know, you start doing a podcast today that you've never had, and you're trying to gather, you know, garner an audience. It's like, you know, it's, it's very hard unless you've been at, in the game for a while and have an audience and have been doing it. Um, it's really hard. I mean, yeah. you can't even say, okay, I can't perform. Well, maybe I'll write. Maybe I'll try to write out a sitcom. Well, they're not working either. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, trying to find a reinvent yourself now is very hard uh, for entertainers. Uh, I, I don't know how they're doing it, to be honest with you. Unless you're doing voiceovers, you can make some money doing voiceovers at home. Um, I really don't know other other ways of doing it. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, I had a decent amount of money saved, and and I've gone through quite a bit of it already. And this is only you know, this is, when you're when you're not making money and you're spending it, uh, it it sure doesn't take long for it for it's gone. I learned that when I first moved out to L.A. I came out here, I had about nine or ten grand saved, and I was like, I can't work, I can't go on the road because you know I want to stay here because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and Gosh, it didn't take, I mean, within like six weeks, I was like, didn't I just have $10,000? <laughs> what happened all yeah, that shit? It goes, it goes super quick, man, because of the cost of living out here. And You know, I got three kids. Like, I got two in college. You know, the, the tuitions alone are hard. And, you know, I used to make some decent money on Sirius and XM playing my stuff. And a new guy took over and took me out of the loop and, you know, I went from making twelve grand a year to making six hundred. <laughs> it was like, whoa! It was yeah. like, you know, all of a sudden that's gone, and and the ships are gone, and the <clears throat> clubs are light, and then you're like, oh my god, I I gotta I gotta figure something out here, you know? Well, you also wrote a book. How did how uh how is that? How long have, how long ago has it been since you wrote the, wrote your book? Uh, it's got to be a few years now. Okay. Uh. I wrote that book, but it's just a download on, um, 
Amazon, and it's, it's only five dollar download. Yeah, I want to. I want to read it. I saw the day on your bio that that picture with you in the in the in the airport said Life of Comedy, and I was like, that's right. I want to read that thing because you've been doing comedy now for over forty years, right? Yeah, this is my 40th year. I started in 79. and um, I love that picture on the book because it kind of sums up every road comic, you know? Yeah. He's, I'm just there with my carry-on looking at the, you know, my flight details, you know, at the airport. I mean, that is like quintessential every road comic out there, you know? I love that shot. My son took it at the airport for me. Yeah. Do Do you uh, Do you still enjoy stand up? Oh, I I, I still like doing stand up. I just uh, the traveling has gotten to me. You know, living out of a suitcase and sleeping in a stupid bed in a in a hotel. I that's all gotten to me. I mean, I. I it's probably cost me my marriage. I should have quit about 10 years ago on the road, uh, you know, because she got tired of raising three kids by herself half the time. And I, I just, I didn't know how to reinvent myself. I didn't know how to stay home and make money. And, and that's, it, it kind of probably cost me my, my marriage. But, you know, it's like you get into it, where you get to the point of no return, well, you, you, you look back and you go, holy cow, this is all I know how to do. I, what am I going to do, stop and sell insurance? Am I going to, am I gonna, uh, you know, write children books? What, what am I going to do to make an income? I, and that's where I got it. I got to the point where, man, it's not about me anymore. I got three kids and I got put food on the table and they got tuitions and they got clothes and everything else and, and I, I just, I, I, I was making decent money on the ships, and I had to continue to do it. But at the same time, it put a strain on my, uh, on my marriage, you know. But uh, you know, that's every comic, you know. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned children's books because my son's seventeen months old now, and he's uh, gotten to the point where he, he'll bring me books and stuff, and it's, it's, it's really great. I mean, reading to him, and he, you know, he's gotten to the point where I can say, "Go get Daddy a book," and he'll go get it for me. And I'm sitting there reading these books, and I'm thinking, shit, I could write one of these. <laughs> I could write yeah. five of these a day. <laughs> I know, right? Who do it's I talk like, to? <laughs> I mean, look how simple this thing was. She sold 50,000 copies. What? <laughs> yeah, and the book's like $4 a piece. I'm like, I read this thing in eight seconds. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like you, you, you have to have a really good graphic artist which practically sells the book itself. I mean, that's half the battle, yeah. is getting somebody to do the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> My son's at the age where he doesn't care what I'm reading. He gets impatient and turns the page for me. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Words, 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 whatever. What's I know, he picture? just wants to look at some cool graphics. <laughs> <laughs> do you have three boys or do you have any daughters? I got two boys, uh, 24 and 22, and my daughter's 17. Okay, because in that message the other day, you said you're getting ready to go throw the ball around with your boy, and I didn't know which one it was. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, I had one with me for a while, because I got an apartment in Calabasas, it's a two-bedroom, and he's back from college. My other son's in college, but he's at my, uh, 
he's at my ex's with my daughter. They're afraid to come over here because I, I have a roommate that goes to work every day, and they, they think he's going to bring the virus home, and they don't want to give it to their 95-year-old grandmother that lives with my ex. Yeah. You know, they're afraid that she's going to get it and die. So that's the situation we're dealing with. And uh, otherwise, they'd be here more often, but they, uh, they're they afraid to come over here because of my roommate. So, and I need him because I need the income. And, uh, what does he go do know, every day? He's a, he's in LA. He, uh, he's a insulator, you know, they pipe fitter and, uh, works in the buildings downtown insul- doing insulation, you know, yeah. and it's a, you know, it's a skilled labor job. It's like $47 an hour. He does, makes good money. He's actually a, went in the service and he did, he got his film degree from a place in Chicago and then he came out here to just, because work as insulators were slow back there and he, he ended up getting a really good job out here. It's the same union, and um, are you worried about that at all? Then getting anything? I am, but you know, I, I'm also in a fix with money, and um, I, I just tell them to take precautions at work, and please wear the gloves and wear the mask, and stay away from everybody. And when you come home, wash your hands right away. And, you know, uh, take your shoes off, and I don't. I you know, we're coping with it the best we can, and but. Yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? I mean, uh, sometimes you just have to trust that everything's gonna be okay. And if I get it, I hope I have enough immune system to to fight it. My cousin got it, and he's an electrician in Chicago. And uh, you know, he had to go to the hospital. He had double pneumonia, and uh, but he never had to be on a ventilator. And they gave him that uh, hydrochloroquine whatever it's called, the malaria drug mixed with the Z-Pack, and it, it broke his feet, you know, he, he felt well enough where they sent him home. Huh. And, and uh, I think he's on the, uh, the man- he's on the upside of it now. And Yeah, there's so much about it we don't, we don't know. Like, I have, um, I mean, you know, I'm pretty healthy, you know, I try to exercise and all that stuff, but I've also got allergy-induced asthma, and sometimes, like, if if something is in the air, sometimes my lungs will just lock up, and I can't breathe at all. So I'm like, I don't know how this would affect me if I got it. You know, I don't know if I'm one of those people that it would end up killing or, you know, any of that crap. Yeah, plus, Um, you're, you know, having that, you don't even know if, Sometimes you're thinking, oh, my God, do I have it? And then it's just their allergy. And you're like, you know, that that, that would drive me crazy. Yeah, and it has recently. The other morning I woke up and could barely could barely breathe. Something had gotten into me, and, and uh, you know, I took a hit off the inhaler and it went away. But, you know, whereas it used to be like, oh, I know what this is. It's no big deal. Now I'm like, ah, shit, am I going to die? You know, do I have, yeah. am I getting ready to give this to my family? And yeah, exactly. Else? It's like uh, we're all walking on pins and needles. I'm on blood thinners, uh, you know, I had an incident a year and a half ago where I had a blood clot in my heart, and I've been on blood thinners ever since, and I don't know if that's going to hurt me if I do get it, it to fight the, uh, to fight it, if, if being on blood thinners makes a difference, or you don't have enough white blood cells to fight it because you're on blood thinners, I don't know, I, I'm thinking, 
Uh, I can't even give blood, even if I wanted to, because I am on blood thinners. And then, then I was watching the news, and they're saying that maybe people that have had it and conquered it may be able to give blood to others who have it because they have the antibodies in their blood now. Yeah. And so that's that's another thing they're working on, and uh, man, it's just every day is just. Uh, I, I was walking my dog today, and I'm thinking, man, imagine if the head of the CDC was like kind of loony and just started throwing stuff out there that was all bullshit. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, bacon grease gets rid of it; it repels it. You know. <laughs> People just started loading up on bacon grease. And you go to the stores and there's no bacon anywhere. And people are really freaking because they love bacon. <laughs> I, was, I was just making myself laugh as I walked, walked the dog in the rain. <laughs> Imagine if this guy was just a kook and he's just throwing shit out there. People yeah. are buying it. Cause, yeah, you know, he, he goes off the deep end and starts making shit up. <laughs> He just goes home and laughs his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him buying all the bacon. Freaking moron. Oh my god. The whole place, everybody be stinking of like a pig. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, that's funny, man. Yeah, you've uh, you've had a long freaking storied career, though. You had your own sitcom. I mean, you had the dream, man. That's isn't that what everybody want? It, it used to be what everybody wanted. Are sitcoms even a thing anymore? You know, I mean, but but you did. You know what? I can I can't even watch them. Yeah. You know, my sister's on writing on a sitcom now called Broke. It just debuted the other night, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she's been a pretty successful writer, um, and. Uh, I, I didn't even watch it. Not that I didn't want to, but I couldn't. I I, I don't care. I, I don't even. I I wanted to be an actor. I did stand up because I thought it would give me a showcase to show my talent. And hopefully I would get a sitcom or something out of it. And it ended up happening for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I did enough acting in my career to have a Screen Actors Guild pension. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not much, but it's something, and um, I have to split it with my ex because uh, I made the money while we were married. But still, it um, I worked enough as an actor to to get the SAC pension, but you know, I only got it because I was able to uh, showcase myself as a stand-up in L.A., and that led to my uh, me getting a sitcom people at disney saw me perform they said oh my god this guy could be the next tim allen blah 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 i ended up they ended up bringing out the head of nbc you know to see me and they liked they liked what they saw and they offered me a pilot and one thing led to another i got uh, a mid-season replacement show but the thing is you know when you come out as a new show, and it's a mid-season replacement, they're just filling you in slots that didn't work. And you're, you're, we, you know, we ended up following Saved by the Bell, the college years. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was the worst ranked show on TV, and we had to follow it. So it's like, we were just thrown to the wolves. We, you know, if you don't have a good show to help kick you off, you're gonna, 
you're gonna die a quick death, and that's what happened. We Dude. they aired all my all thirteen of my shows, but we just didn't have enough. Uh, you know, and that's and you know, Tony, it came out in '94, right? And at the time, cable wasn't as big as it is now, and you only had the four major stations, and I had like a 16, 17, you know. Uh, rating every every week and, and t- today that would be a mega hit if yeah. you had a 16 or a 17 you know well and especially to have to follow you know a turd <laughs> you know that 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 saved by the bell i mean even the one that that one the high school years or whatever it was called was on forever and i would come home from in college and my roommates would be watching that and i'd be like why do you guys watch this show i don't get it i don't get it and I, I feel like they kind of started all the bad sitcoms that followed. Like, you know, it just it, it just felt like they did, you know. Like, I blame Saved by the Bell for all this shit. <laughs> yeah, I truly believe if you keep anything on long enough... Yeah. That, that and you shove it down people's throats, that people are gonna, are gonna fucking buy it. I mean, look at that two broke girls. I... I I can't get. I couldn't get through an episode, yeah. even if I wanted to. Yeah. And yet, it's in syndication. It, it survived long enough to get in the syndication. And I'm like, you know how how do people sit there and watch this crap? You know. Yeah, it's like uh, that show, The Big Bang Theory, which is a huge hit. But somehow I came across it. Somebody had put it on the internet or something with no uh, laugh track. And you talk about just a brutal show to watch. Like, holy shit, this is so unfunny. Like, the only reason it it's somewhat funny at all is because the audience that at home is told, okay, laugh now, this part's funny. What he just said was funny. You know, and it's like after a while they're like, yeah, this is good. Like, no, it's not. It's terrible. You're just, they just... And it's been on 10 years. I couldn't get through an episode of that. You know... The lead guy who's actually gay in real life, and I hate when they try to play straight when they're gay. It's like, you know what? The guy's gay. Just let him play gay. I mean, what do you what are you trying to, you know, pull wool over people's eyes and to make him play a straight character? Because he came off so gay in the show, I I couldn't get past the fact that they were trying to make him straight. And the lead and, guy you're talking about, he was the one that was on Roseanne. Uh, I'm talking about the, uh, the lead guy in the, uh... Big Bang Theory. And the Big Bang Theory, the... I don't even know his name. I, I couldn't get through an episode of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which... There's, I, there's, there's two, like, main guys, I think, but I can't... I don't know which one it is. They both seem kind of gay to me, but... <laughs> he's like, uh, he's, he's tall and skinny, or not... Okay, okay. I, I, I thought, if you would have told me the other guy was gay, too, I'd be like, yeah, I, I see that. Well, I, yeah, they're probably okay, man, for, for all I know. I, I, I don't even know anymore, man. <laughs> but I knew right away, I go, this guy's irritating to me because he's... The, the fact that they're... I just hate when they try to make them straight when they're not. You know, just like that, that other comic that had this show. Oh, my God, he, he was a comic, and they made him straight, too. I know, uh, I can't think of the show's name, uh, it was about two married couples. Okay. 
I, uh, I, I hardly watch TV anymore either. Yeah, he played. I, I mean, man, he was a good guy, and I'd see him at the, I'd see him at the uh, improv all the time. And oh, he, Anthony Clark. Yeah, Anthony Clark. He's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that guy's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, very funny guy. Nice yeah. guy. Nice as hell. <clears throat> we always talked at the improv and had a drink, and uh, you know, but I hate it. I hated that because I, I knew the guy was gay. And I hated the fact that they made him play a street guy. You know, I, yeah. I can't. So certain things I can't. I can't get past. But it's, it's it's just me. It's not anyone else. You know. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I. Uh, I wish I could still act and 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 do sitcoms and stuff like that, but. Um. Like I said, I'm 63 now, and I, I the parts I get now are one-liners I go in for, and it's for somebody's grandfather, and you know you're reading you're reading against guys that have a resume down to the floor, and you're like, and you walk in the room and you go, I'm not gonna get this. <laughs> <laughs> and I live in Calabasas, and I gotta drive all the way down to Hollywood to read one line, and then drive an hour back, and I'm like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I used to audition for commercials, and I would do the same thing. I'd drive to like Santa Monica or some shit, It'd be like an hour and a half, and in the middle of rush hour. <laughs> yeah, and go down on a there. Friday afternoon. Yeah, they're like, you don't have any lines. We just want you to walk across the room. I'd be like, holy shit, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did this. I got to drive an hour back now, and I I didn't even speak. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just stupid. I, I would get some callbacks, but I never got a commercial. And and when my commercial agent let me go, I was like, I never even tried to get another one. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to do this, you know. And and some of them you see, you're like, God, I hope that guy's getting a lot of money because I would hate for my friends to see me in that commercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, man. I just, you know, when I when I was. I, I, living in LA which I still do but I mean back in the day when I had a lot of acting going on I you know I'd get a commercial here I'd get a voice over there I'd get a spot on a sitcom here I'd get a, a road gig there make it, or, or you know you do a a nice corporate there and you know, when you piece it all together I had a good career you know and you just get older and things start, the window starts closing, you know, the window of opportunity just starts closing and you, age, ageism is a real thing, man. It's, oh yeah. I mean, there's three or four clubs that I worked for years that aren't even returning my calls now, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because I'm still as funny as I was back then, but apparently in their eyes, they don't want to have a grandpa on stage and the kids are in their twenties going, Man, this dude could be my dad. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think it has anything to do with how funny you are either, which, which, which is kind of what <clears throat> sucks about it, you know. Like when I got into this, I just wanted to do it for a living because I thought it sounded cool to go around the country. And the first fifteen years of my career, so that's what it was. And now it's, it's just changed so much. I mean, mainly. If you're if you're funny, that's a bonus. But mainly, they just they just want you to put asses in the seats, and they don't care how you do it, you know. And uh, no, I know right now if my sitcom would have went another year, and I became a household name, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be having these problems right now because I'd be able to fill up comedy clubs. I'd be able to at least 
put asses in the seats. And that's what's, that's what's hurting me at this juncture in my career is that I know I could go in there and do a great show. I know that. Yeah. And the fact that I can't prove to them that I'm going to fill it up or put asses in the seats, uh, I'm beholden to them and what they want to pay me or even if they want to book me at all. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the predicament you get in is, is that if you can't put asses in the seats, no matter how good you are, you know, they'd rather book Screech, you know, because he could put asses in the seats even though he sucks as a comic. You know what I'm saying? And the sad thing is he's not even the worst of them. They, they, they book, they, they, I mean, he's, he's a great comedian compared to some of the turds I see him putting on their stages. And I'm like, man, you know, I've heard about some guys that, that there's this one guy that literally did 17 minutes to close his show and he was asking the staff for drugs all week and this and that and all the stuff that I would get fired for. And and they asked the booker if they're going to have him back. And they were. he was like, yeah, well, no one complained and he sold tickets. So, yeah, we'll have him back. And when I heard that, I'm like, well, shit, man. What, what's the point of, you know, why do I get so worried if I, if I do well for 45 minutes and one joke doesn't go well? You know, that's what I think about. And here's this guy doing everything you're not supposed to do and getting rebooked just because he puts asses in the seats. And I've said this a hundred times on this podcast. I'm like, why don't these guys just go have a meet and greet at a damn bookstore or something and let us do our job? <laughs> well, it's, I know. I thought, I've seen it many, many times, man. They, they do 20 minutes if they can, and then they do Q&As. <laughs> they do a Q&A to fill up the other 20. I'm like, are you shit me? Yeah. Are you shit me? I said to that, the guys... You know, I, I, I've worked with that, do this. You know, by the end of the week, you know, this is what, years ago when I was still at Middle Act, by the end of the week, I was headlining and they were in the middle because they couldn't do the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and the- you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I was on stage a while back and I said, I know a lot of you are looking at me thinking, man, this dude could be my dad. I said, well, you know what? I fooled around a lot back in the day in this area, and I actually could be your father. <laughs> I said, in fact, you look a little bit like me. Son! <laughs> it's you! <laughs> How, uh, Drew Carey was your co-star. How was he to work with? I've ran into him a couple times, and uh, he's always been really nice to me. Oh, man, we had a laugh a minute just, uh, we had the same sense of humor, and every day we'd come in with a new street joke and try to try to crack each other up. Yeah, we were always playing games with each other. Well, you know, if I had a scene and he was off on the side, he was trying to do shit to make me laugh. I remember one time he was <laughs> he was in the it was a rehearsal, and he had a scene, and I was in the wings, and I we had a full horn. Uh, that was on the, one of the props for that show for for one particular scene, and <laughs> I'm in the wings, and he's doing this scene, and I I got the bullhorn, and I put my dick in the bullhorn, and I <laughs> I'm showing it to him as he's as he's doing his <laughs> as he's doing his <laughs> because it was a it was a it was a read through for the for the uh, you know for the. <laughs> For the powers that be, it was a read-through on a Wednesday when all the, you know, when all the staff comes, uh, the, the, you know, the network people. Right. 
<laughs> and I got my dick in a bullhorn and trying to make a break. <laughs> Were you able to make him break? No, but we had a we had a really good relationship. Uh, and uh, is he a Chicago guy too? No, he's from Cleveland, and That's he was right. a big Cleveland Indian fan, and I was a Chicago White Sox fan, so we'd always bust each other's balls about. Yeah, you're a huge sports you know, fan, right? But he was a we we got along real well. He uh he ended up getting his show after my show, and you know he brought me on once as a uh, as a guest star, and it was a really great show. And uh, they were all talking about making me a uh, a recurring character, and uh, he ended up not doing it. And I don't know if it was if he thought maybe I was going to steal some limelight from him. It, it was really not an issue because his, his show was already off and running into the third season or something. And and if he would have just given me one, you know, one spot a year, it, it really would have helped me as far as my health insurance for the kids and the family and uh it kind of hurt my feelings that he looked the other way and it was just a one and done thing yeah for me on a show you know but um everybody takes show business differently and if he felt threatened that that could have been one thing but yeah well it's a very real thing i mean i i i uh years back open for this really big name and and had some of the best shows of my life, and we were in his huge theaters every night. And at the end of the week, he was like, uh, "Wow, man, great job! People don't usually do this well in front of my crowds." And then he never had me back. <laughs> it was basically oh, like yeah, he was saying, I, "Great I can job." See that happening because yeah. they don't want to have to struggle following. Yeah. Following a guy like, you. what do you think, Tom? What do you think Frank Sinatra had Tom Dreesen open for? He knew that. <laughs> He could even be funnier. <laughs> and he was a singer. <laughs> but uh, it's true. It's true. Nobody wants to... Yeah. Nobody wants to have to struggle. I mean, Bill Burr has a ton of guys open for him all the time, but he's secure enough in his own show and his own, you know, his own um, talent. Yeah, that he, he's not threatened by it. Plus, he knows everybody in that audience is there to see him. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, which makes it a lot easier. And uh, you know, but yeah, I, I can see very well how you know. I know a lot of guys that could have asked me to come and work with them, but they, they, you know, they're not going to do that. They don't want to have to struggle. Yeah. Yeah, and you know even, I mean? even if they don't have a problem following you, because like you said, their audience is there to see them. So no matter how well you do, a lot of the times they're they're still gonna. It, the first couple minutes might be might be hard, but they'll they'll get past it and they'll be fine. But a lot of people just aren't willing to take that that chance. And you know, all I do is close now, so I get it to a point. But you know, I've never like I've never been one of those people. Like it, it almost cracks me up when people are like, "Hey, can I sell merchandise?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, I would never tell you." You can't make a living because I want to make more. You know that's not <laughs> that's not cool. But so I like to think I, 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 I've never told anybody. I go, yeah, man, so whatever you like. Yeah. I, I you know, and I, I mean, I've had comics where they say, man, uh, can I do this bit, that bit? I go, you do whatever 
whatever you like, man. I said, I said, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not the FCC. I'm not going to come here. And I said, but you know, if it's ass, you know, fist fucking jokes and shit like that. I said, no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want that. But yeah, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, just be yourself and do your thing, you know. Yeah, but, if, uh, if people yeah. ask me, I'll say I'll say I'm not a huge fan of crowd work, um, just because it puts the crowd sometimes in this place where they think that's what they do. They talk to the comic, and then I got to come up there and do 45 to an hour and and put out all these fires that you started. Um, so if they ask, I'll say I'm not a huge fan of that. If you can't not do that, then you know do what you do. But um, if you can avoid doing nothing but crowd work, that that'd be cool. But if, if, if I always tell them, if I if I can't if my material can't if I can't follow you with my act, then that's on me, you know. But don't go up there and just try to fuck it up, you know. Don't do, doing nothing but like filth and and all that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. I go, you know, if you're gonna be X-rated, then no, I don't want that because yeah. I'm not that way, and I don't want to have to, you know. When you act, you could always. You could always go from clean to blue, but once the you're already in the blue, right? It's hard for me to go up there and, and try and do clean stuff after this guy just ripped the audience with a bunch of uh, R-rated shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's almost it's 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 like you can't go up there and be super high energy the first five minutes and then get into this real slow pace. People will be like, "Well, wait, what?" You know, like you can't. Someone said, I, I think I read when I was first starting out, you can. It's a lot easier to speed up than it is to slow down, you know, like once you're at a certain pace. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's always kind of stuck with me. And my pace has never been very fast anyway, so. Yeah, I thought, you know, it's funny. I've, I've had those nights where I try to, I come out with a bunch of energy trying to get the crowd going and trying to get some life in the room and keeping my pace up. And, you know, I'm energetic on stage as it is. Yeah. And... And then after a while, when I'm not getting anything and not getting anything, and I'm just not getting any kind of, uh, they're not trying to meet me halfway. <laughs> it slows down anyway, just because you can't keep it up. It's like fuck, folks. I'm, I'm, I know I I know this shit works. Yeah. And I know I'm on tonight, and I know I'm pumping it. And you're not you're not meeting me halfway or giving anything back. You you tend to fall or slow down anyway. You know you have no. Because you just can't keep up the the charade any longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, charade. It's like, all right, you, you defeated me. I'll, I'll just I'll just come down to your fucking energy, and then we'll just yeah. call it a night. <clears throat> There's nothing worse than just then when it's a really crappy audience. I'll just I call it just pushing play in my head. You know, just push play and pause where I know to pause and all that stuff. And sometimes I'll even say I'm pausing longer because normally this is where people laugh, and then. <laughs> yeah you know um but there's nothing worse man that's why i've seen some of these some people doing like <clears throat> comedy you know i haven't seen it a lot lately but when this thing first happened i saw this comedy like with no audience and i'm like that's just brutal like those are those are my i have nightmares about shit like that i don't want to i don't want to go on facebook live and try to do a comedy show with no audience i mean why don't you just why don't you just go hit yourself in the nuts in the backyard for about 20 minutes <laughs> I know when they when they first asked me to audition for that. Uh, um, not America's Got Talent. It was the other one that was on uh, uh, the, the comedy show that was on. Uh, last comic. Yeah, last comic standing, and I 
And I, I, I went in there, and the three of the people that were the judges opened for me at one time or another. Yeah. And I'm doing my set, and there was no audience, you know, aside from those three. Yeah. And it threw me off so bad because there was no crowd. Yeah. That, you know, I did all right. I did okay. I just, it was like, it was almost like doing it in your closet, you know? Yeah. And it was just so weird. And, yeah, these guys that are trying to do it now um, at home, it, it, they're embarrassing themselves. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Yeah. I go, enjoy the time off. You know, spend it with your family or your kids or, you know, read a good book or go on a walk with your dog. But don't try to do these stupid comedy shows in your house. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're coming off looking looking worse. Yeah. So if people did like you at all, then they see you in this in this uh, setting, they're going to go, man, I know he, he's funnier than that, but this sucks. And then... And it'll come see you when you're in town. Yeah, I saw your I saw that performance in your living room, and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had me. Then you did that living room thing, and now. Uh... Yeah, I've been trying to do the, some sketch comedy and stuff like that. I'm trying to get my YouTube back going because uh, you know, and I've also been going through. I've got just hours and hours of shows that I never did anything with, and every show that I have, there's two or three minutes of like good crowd work, and I'm like, I'm going to take all of these and uh, put them on my YouTube, which is pretty uh, arduous task as far as going through and cutting everything out and all that. I mean, it'll take hours if I let it, um, but it, it's 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 interesting to go through like years back and see like, oh, that's a good that's a good little chunk. I'm going to cut that out and see if I can do something with it, but. You know, well, that's actually a smart idea because all that is impromptu and it's off the cuff and it's all different. You yeah. know, what I mean, if you could get a whole selection of that, which each, you know, crowd work is unto itself and not repetitive of anything else you've done, and you put them all together in a nice junk, you know, you could call it the best of uh, Tim Gathers crowd work and. And, and I mean, I think it's brilliant. Really, it's you know, it's all fresh and it's all stuff that you already have in the stockpile, and all you're doing is taking it and extracting it and doing a compilation of it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's great. Well, thanks, you man, know? because that's that's uh, that's what I've been working on, and you know it. Even sketch comedy, I enjoy doing it, but when you're by yourself, you got to be really freaking creative. My buddy came out here with me uh, after Reno, because we were going to watch the NCAA wrestling tournament together. My friend Kurt is a huge wrestling fan, and it's hard to find anybody else who's a college wrestling fan. It's kind of a niche sport. And uh, he was going to come out here with me and, and just watch the NCAAs on my couch. And, uh, you know, I've got this big TV now, and I was looking forward to watching it, and then all this crap happened. And I'm like, well, we might as well make some videos. And we made some funny stuff. But he went back home now, and, and uh, so now it's just me, and so I'm going to do what I can, you know, um, but yeah. I like that character you did. Uh, Virgil Earl? Yeah, 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 you posted that. I mean, if you could do a character, yeah. and you just keep coming back with them with different dialogue and stuff, those are, that could catch on, that could be a funny thing, I mean... 
my only fear about about that is I, I I mean don't get me wrong I would love Larry the Cable Guy's money but he can never go back to being Dan Whitney you know what I mean he can never just go back to doing stand up and and I'm afraid that if if it it's a double edged sword you know I, I'd like it to get popular but at the same time I don't want people coming to my shows going where's Virgil Earl you know like I don't want to do 45 minutes of that guy you know um, so. yeah I, uh, you know. I think it's, I don't think it's a bad problem to have. I mean, if you, see, I, I do different characters in my act, so if I were to throw all different stuff out there, yeah, it would fit my act. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I figure if I, maybe if I do the Virgil Earl enough and it gets popular, but then I still have my stand-up on my YouTube, people will also see like, oh, he's not just this guy or whatever, you know. Um, but like you said, I guess I guess I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. If I'm getting offered a million dollars, I guess I'll, I'll go. I guess I'll go have to have to take it and and just uh, cry about it later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a. <laughs> I think it's a good problem to have if that's the case and it starts to take off. But yeah. I think I think Dan Whitney didn't have a good enough act. The character was much stronger than his act. Yeah. That's why it took off. Yeah, I heard that he did it once during a show, <clears throat> and he the character, and then he couldn't follow it, and and I saw him at the like in the evening at evening at the Improv or whatever, and and he when he was just Dan Whitney, and God, one of his jokes, he was like, I picked a girl up at a party last night, boy, she was heavy. I mean, that was the joke, and I was like, Are you shitting me? That got you on TV? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, he, you know, there's certain bits of my act that I have to do at the end because. I can't follow it because yeah. they, they, you know, you do them at the end because if I did it up front, it's I, I don't have anything to top it. Yeah. You know, so you, you you leave it at the end. Yeah. Sometimes I'll feel that with crowd work. If I have a really good exchange with somebody, and then I and then I go when I go back into material, it takes a couple minutes for them to be like, "All right, this is funny too," but we really liked when you were messing with that guy. You know, that can be hard to follow too. But yeah. Well. <clears throat> That's the risk you run, but I mean, it's a good thing. I remember I worked with uh, Frank Caliendo when he was just starting out. You could see he had some really, uh, he was raw, but he had really good voices. And mm -hmm. He would, uh, you know, he was a beginner, like a middle act, and I was headlining the room, was in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, he was a big crowd pleaser because they loved his voices. And, I came up to him after the show and I said, you know, Frank, I said, you got some really good voices and I know why you're closing with, with John Madden because it's, it's one of your best, it's your best guy. Yeah. I said, but you know, you, you might want to open with him and then as you, as your act goes on and you're doing a bit, you can bring him back saying, and, and, and this is the, this is how that joke went, diagramming like he's doing it on the NFL. Yeah. So this was my this was my you know this is my premise. This is where the punchline goes in, and you but you're doing him, and you're just making fun of the bit you just did. This way you can bring them back constantly during your act, and this way it'll it'll keep getting funnier each time. So you're the and reason now, he started doing that. And he calls me like a year later. I bump into him. He goes, John. He goes, man, I, I'm headlining now. He goes, you did it. I started doing what you told me about Madden, and it's kicking ass. <laughs> I go, well, 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, I, I'm always I'm always there to help if I can uh, with some of the comics that have opened for me in the past. If I see something that I think it could help them, I've never been one to just, you know, not not give advice. Because I, I said, what's the sense in having all this knowledge and whatever and you can't pass it on to somebody? Yeah. My- that's, why, that's why I wrote the book, too. You know, I'm thinking... I want. I got to be able to share my, my 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 story with other people. Maybe it'll help a young comic out. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. And speaking of good advice, and uh, I'll let you go after this because I've got. I've actually got another podcast I'm supposed to do in 30 minutes. I'm supposed to be on one, but um, what we were you were getting ready to go on stage, and uh, we had had a conversation about marriage and this and that. Uh, you know, in the uh, cafeteria, and you were getting ready to go on stage, and my wife had come down for the weekend. She was just my girlfriend at the time, and like literally, the last thing you said before you go on stage was you were like, "You need to marry that girl." <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know if you remember meeting her or not, but you were just like, you were, you know, like, like, yeah, you, you, I understand what you're worried about with marriage and all that stuff, but I don't think you need to worry about it with that girl. She, she seems great. Like you really need to, you know. And so far, it's got you know it's been almost four years we've been married, and and uh, you know it, it's it was some great advice. And, and well, I'm, I'm glad my instincts prove right. <laughs> yeah, and and because of you and that issue you had with your with the blood clot and all that, I, I stretch before I get on planes, and I drink a lot of water, and that's all from you, buddy. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a real thing, man. I it, 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 it's a real thing. You have to wear the compression socks, get up every. 45 minutes to an hour, walk around, stretch a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, make sure you're hydrated because being on a plane naturally dehydrates you. Yeah. And all, all that, all that lends towards, um, clotting if you don't do it, you know, taking red eyes, which is what I did a lot. Yeah. And uh, they don't know specifically if that's what caused it, but sure, sure sounded like it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad so. you're doing, you're doing good now and, uh, you know, good luck with all this stuff. You're one of the funniest guys out there and one of the best guys out there. And, and uh, comedy needs people like you. So, uh, Well, thanks for having me on, Tim. And uh, I hope our paths cross again and we can hang out and have a beer or something. Yeah, man. What, uh, where can people find you? Is there anything you'd like to plug real quick? Well, I got a... You can check my website out, johncapanera.com, if you want to watch any clips or uh, write me an email or if they want to see my tour dates, which are dwindling it by the second. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got nothing to push right now as far as TV or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, they can check out my site or, uh, you know, they want to purchase my book. They could do that. It's, it's, it's geared for up and comers. It's geared for young comics. It's just my autobiography, but it's, but I wrote it with a newcomers in mind. I hope maybe I could, drop some knowledge on them if they're young comics starting out, you know. Well, those those books help a lot. I, I read one when I was starting out called Zen and the Art of Stand-Up Comedy by a guy named Jay Sankey, this Canadian comic, and it was great. It made me feel like I had a little bit of experience before I even started, which... So, I'm looking forward to reading it. You know, I've been doing comedy for 20 years now, but I'd like to... I'd just like to read your autobiography. Yeah, read it and uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Okay. Cool, man. Thanks a lot for being on, John. I really appreciate it, buddy. Good luck with all this crap, and uh, yeah, hopefully, get, hopefully, we'll get to see each other for too long.
All right, buddy. Good luck to you. Thanks a lot, buddy. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was John Caponera. He's a uh, really good dude. Really, really funny. Um, I'm not somebody that, you know, I I think when I featured for him was like seven or eight years ago, and it was kind of a last-minute deal that I got to Harry the Booker asked me if I wanted to go uh, feature for this guy, and I was like, sure, and I did, and and it was great. And so <clears throat> I say that to say that I don't get to work with a lot of uh, headliners anymore, and and I think he may have been the last one that I did work with that I featured for, and we had a really good conversation, and he's really funny, and uh, I had a good time with him on and off stage. You know, I w he's one of the few comics that I would watch his act when I got off stage which again is something I rarely do. Um, so yeah, check him out at johncapanera.com. Great dude, very funny. And as always, go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N-ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon and his family. And if you have not subscribed to my YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Tim Gaither. Um, been working on those clips and some other things, and I know I've said that in the past, but this time I, I, I have no choice. So... Please subscribe, youtube.com slash Tim Gaither, uh, timgaithercomedy.com for all my social media links and all that stuff, and listen to this podcast or SoundCloud or Stitcher, iTunes, uh, give me five-star ratings if you wouldn't mind doing that. If you don't have anything positive to say, then keep that shit to yourself, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. God bless all of you. Take care. Bye.